Look at this. We're in a Roscoe Village, or we're on a Roscoe Village side street. Show off is in my car. Hey. Show hey, off. What's going on? Freaking show off. 20 years after the major label debut, we're going to talk to Show Off before they headline Beat Kitchen tonight. I should mention. Show off. Uh, this podcast, Carquin Carne, is presented by the Audubon Mazda of Evanston. I spent quality time today at the Audubon Mazda of Evanston, checked out what they had, walked out with uh, Mazda 6 that I'm going to be driving around. Did for, you for the really? It's a loner, but I walked out with the Mazda 6 and I'm going to use it for a <laughs> uh, podcast moving forward. What a, a sweet car. They've got that 360 view. So when you back up, it's almost impossible to hit something. Yeah. Because you can see, it's like it's like a drone follows you around. I don't even understand how the technology works, but you can see whether you're you know, about to clip a side view mirror or back into a, a wall. That is a useful tool. I'm driving this thing around earlier today. We're in a Mazda 3, just for clarity's sake. I had a feeling I wouldn't be able to park the 6 tonight. I was driving around thinking, it's pretty obvious how we will eventually transition to driverless cars. Because all the technology is there. It's there. Like I, I, I was, And I'm ready for it. I was driving too close to the person in front of me. I got the break red alert sign in front of me oh yeah like it just knew uh so anyway autobahn mazda of evanston so much cool cars and the technology i think speaks for itself it really is fantastic uh 1015 chicago avenue between maine and dempster it's car con carne let's eat in the car it's car con carne So, full disclosure, there's no food in the car today. It was too difficult to pull off. At Burger Fest. <laughs> so, Show Off is headlining tonight at Beat Kitchen. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't plan ahead, the Roscoe Burger Fest is happening on Belmont between Western and Damon. That entire stretch is completely blocked off. All the streets north and south are just strangled with activity. So, it took a little while to get here. I'm parked maybe half a mile Three quarters of, a, quarters of a mile away from Beat Kitchen, I made show off walk to my car. I didn't make you. You, you were kind enough to do it. No, you kind of forced us, but it is cool. <laughs> and I did walk you. I, I provided a personal escort. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I've long dreamed of being your personal escort, Chris. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. I uh, I need one of those. I do. So <laughs> not the same kind of escort, Chris. Twenty years ago. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Twenty years ago. My what wife can't listen to this. We were doing an interview. You would come to a big opulent radio studio we would sit and we'd broadcast to hundreds of thousands of people and <laughs> here we are on a side street in a car 20 years later <laughs> i'm not saying our career moving up have, in the world <laughs> yeah. it's uh yeah life's good but we're happy yeah. yeah but we're happy yeah <laughs> so i mean it's it's been a minute since we all sat in the same room together two decades that's pretty crazy it's really crazy and realistically the last time i interviewed you was probably about the album you're performing tonight yeah i mean that's nuts to me that's pretty crazy so in, yeah. in preparation for this the self-titled debut which you put out on madonna's label maverick i haven't gone 20 years without listening to it but it had been a little while so i got the oh thanks for that plug hang really on appreciate it. let me finish my sentence chris <laughs> but i got to go back into the album with fresh ears yeah because it, it had been a while since i really dove into it 20 years no it hadn't been it, come on now <laughs> it had been a while Listening to it with fresh ears, I, I guess my big takeaway was... It did yeah, the, not hold up. Stop. <laughs> no, my takeaway was, this should have connected. This should have worked. This mm. should this should have gone farther than it did. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. 
No, not really. No, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, not really. I I, th- I think it is a very much in that moment sound. I, I think you have some great. Let's go song by song. Can we go song by song? No. Ooh. Yes, let's do it. Do it. I'm ready. Let's start do with it. backstab. Is this a que- is this a quiz? Because I'm not do very well on quizzes. Are you playing the album in order tonight? We are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, awesome. So <laughs> it starts with backstab. This to uh-huh. me is pop punk in a nutshell. This song. I mean, what what a great album opener. Um, it's all up tempo. You can sing along, but it's about a toxic relationship. Yeah. That, that's pop punk to me. Yeah. Kind of masking the uh, the negative or the dark stuff with with choruses that you could pump your fist to. Yeah, that was kind of like the first song. Uh, Chris came out of a band that we were all fa- big fans of called AYA, and they kind of ruled around uh, Homewood, yeah, what? Homewood Joliet. Yeah, um, Joliet. And so yeah, I kind of looked at that song as like a little bit of him talking to those those friends who you know things ended kind of rough, and uh, it was just such a cool thing to. It was like the first song where we're like we're going somewhere. I think. I oh think wait. We can, Sorry, keep oh. talking. Oh yeah. New camera. Someone just said fix the camera. Oh. Yeah, I was I think I was just showing Chris's nipple for the for the entire Oh wow. <laughs> it's a my my nipple is interesting. Like Tell me about it. It's very small. Else. And uh I, I think I erroneously pushed the wrong button, so I was just I was on the nipple cam. Hey, all right. <laughs> uh, everything nice. should be back to normal now. <laughs> you know, uh before we started recording tonight, the question was, are you a techie? posed to me it looked impressive i I wanted to really prove that the answer is no (laughs) this like this car studio though man like that's give you props on this like you got it really worked out we walked up to this and i was starstruck this is amazing (laughs) to just see these mic stands oh yeah it's it's nuts and we're in this highly residential area too which is really weird let's talk about spill one of the things i really like about spill you do some vocal calisthenics on that song yeah yeah, you know, I was thinking, um, I remember back in the day, I used to like, sing these songs, stuff like Spill, and um, it was kind of like, I think it was what people like knew my vocals for, where was like, I was doing, and it was before Busta Rhymes was doing his Busta Rhymes rap stuff. You're just like Busta Rhymes. Yeah, I mean, we look the same. <laughs> I look just like him. You do. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was it's funny, because... There are people that would I would talk to who would be like, "Oh yeah, like you do like rap rock, right?" And I'm like, "Hell no, I don't do rap mm. rock. This is not rap rock. This isn't like House of Pain meets the you know whatever Cypress Hill thing or whatever. Like no, I don't do that. But yeah. it's fun. It's fun to do that. You know what it was? Honestly, is um when I was a kid, I used to watch. Do you remember? Uh, oh, what are they called? Micro Machines. And they got to be like, I looked oh, the yeah. fastest talker. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So I always tried to keep up with him when I was a kid, like a little That's kid. That's awesome. And then I was like, man, and I was like, I want to do songs, like put mm-hmm. stuff like like the Micro Machine guy. And put like lyrics in there like the Micro Machine guy, you know? Can, can you still do it? Can you, Will we see tonight? Can you still? Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm man. old, but I can <laughs> I can bust a rhyme. With... He, lay da- he lays down when he does it. <laughs> I do lay down sometimes. Lay down I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. I'm like my mom. I'm like, Jesus, please. And then I lay on the ground. <laughs> Let's talk about Ralphie. Should that have been a single? <clears throat> hmm. That's a good question. It I don't know. It dawned on me about three years ago that we took that opportunity to make a major label release and then named a song about a girl, Ralphie. It's just kind of <laughs> strange. <laughs> so it was written for a girl named Pam. Okay. And if you look, like the lyrics are put your arms around me. P-A-M, Pam. 
put, put arms your arms me. around me. So it was for Pam. And at the end, it was originally... This is like the Da Vinci Code, <laughs> what you're doing here. Yeah. You take the first letter of every uh, word <laughs> in the in the chorus. Yeah. So uh, we, I, we were, I was singing it, and, uh, and uh, it used to go like, You and your sweet name, Pamela. But instead, uh, she and I like split up or whatever it was, and I was like, I'm not singing that nope. about her. So at practice, I went... You and your sweet name, Ralphie. And I was like, that's that's it. Let's do it like that. Let's do it like that. Being big fans of Ralphie from the Ralph Christmas the Mouth story. from <laughs> Happy Days, actually. Or, yeah, that was it. Ralph yes. the Mouth from Christmas Story. <laughs> Falling Star. Yep. Here's the tricky thing. If you're playing the album in order, that, that should be an encore, right? In, in another world? It would be... Was yeah, it was discussed. But then we were like, yeah, we'll just do it from the top to the bottom like people hear it so mm-hmm. it's almost like hearing the record i thought it'd be kind of interesting to do it that way but yeah i think that's the one song like everybody would know yeah you know tell me about well, that not everybody but tell me about that moment in time it's yeah 2000 the song is out tell me tell me what was going on in camp show off at that time man i remember um i remember the song comes out and for us, I think we were, were we on the Yiddick Giddick Coca-Cola tour? Oh, yeah. With Everclear yeah. at that time? Right what was it? Time, that was right before Yiddick Giddick. Remember, Coca-Cola had this thing where you'd twist the bottle cap off, and then there'd be a code in the bottle cap. Okay. And then that bottle cap code, you would type it in, and then it would be like, you have a free ticket for this okay. show. And it was us, Citizen King from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, and Everclear. Can we talk about the acronym? So it's... Idikidik, and if you really break that down, it's if you don't know, you don't go. And <laughs> That's really, it was, was a terrible tour to be on. <laughs> yeah, it's when like your album comes out. Our first big tour, and you couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> Nobody could know. Right? I've got a secret. I, I can't tell you. I never think about that. That's yeah. totally true. Well, yeah. not to mention when we first signed up with that uh, uh, booking agency or whatever. CAA, yeah. And they were like, who do you want to tour with? And we listed off all these great bands, and then I was just being a smartest, and I'm like, well, anybody but Everclear. And our first tour was a tour we couldn't tell anybody about <laughs> with Everclear, so. <laughs> yeah. You a could tell secret. our career was doomed from that day forward. <laughs> from the moment on. <laughs> well, was it doomed? I mean, you guys disbanded in a couple years later, in 2002. Mm-hmm. What precipitated that? Was that just the labels gone, falling apart? We... <clears throat> We just can't keep the hamster wheel going anymore. What was that? Um, so we, oh man, you're, you're gonna love this story. We, so we were on Maverick Records, and we felt like, you know, hey, they they pushed Falling Star at a time when like Limp Biscuit and mm-hmm. I don't know who was big, but, but that was that whole era that <laughs> yeah. you know, Corn was the dominant band, right? And, exactly. Yeah. So we were hoping they would push something that was a little more edgy. I mean, from us, we're not that edgy of a band. We were hoping to, they'd push something a little more edgy. They suggested to do someone uh, as a harder song, and we were like, we we just felt like things weren't clicking with that label. They like, wanted someone, which to me is almost like a misfit with the rest of the album because it's down tempo. It just it is, yeah. But they wanted us to record a harder version of it. Okay. And we were like, you know what? I think this just sounds. It was yeah. A, this sounds we like, like what it became. Not, uh-huh. It's not clicking with yeah. how it should click. So we said, let's get on a different label so we we ended up changing managers at the time and then we and he was from new york and so we were like you know what we're going to change labels and we were talking to drive through records at the time and they mm-hmm. were doing very well at that time so we were talking to them but the manager we had at the time was like let's do uh, a major label showcase so we we 
we had the label, a major label showcase prepared. We had the second album already recorded with Maverick. And then we were leaving. It was September 9th. We were leaving for New York City. Uh, or no, September 13th was supposed to be our date mm-hmm. for the show. And it was September 11th. We were leaving for New York City. And I turned on the TV and the planes oh hit it. Lord. And I was like, that's got to be a joke. Like, oh at first Lord. I was just like, is this like an April Fool's? I was like, it's September. Like, so what's going sad. on here? This makes no sense. Yeah. And then we figure out, like, you know, all that was going on in 9-11. So, I mean, our problems minuscule yeah. compared to what people went through mm-hmm. on that day obviously but, but it I can totally see how this affected yeah this just upends everything yeah but mm-hmm. it gets crazier than that because we rescheduled because the music business was like nothing at that yeah. time it was like we're not doing anything right no now. one knew what to do yeah. no with no, yeah. across the arts and entertainment it was crazy yeah so we were like oh my gosh what do we do so our manager's like let's book another um tour or another show in new york city as a showcase so we're like okay let's do it and we book it and we drive out to the WWE Center. That's where our showcase was, right? Now, there was police tape across from the building to another building where we were playing. And I'm like, what is happening? You know, like, what's going on? And there are cops everywhere. So I went up to a cop and I was like, hey, what's, what's going on? And he's like, well, you, you heard... Like, that somebody had sent anthrax to a news building, right? Oh, my Lord. And we were like, yeah? And he's like, that's the building right there. It was across the street from of where course we it was supposed to play our show. Man. So at that point, I feel like we had done, um, from that point, from April, we had recorded from January to April, and from April until the end of the year, we did two almost 270 shows. Is that right? Yeah, I wasn't we in the band at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lost, look at me. We had lost Dave. <laughs> I already we had lost run. Dave. But um, we had done oh, yeah, like 270 was... shows, and we were just like, this Exhausted. is, we, we have to take a break. And yeah. after the second time of that stuff happening, we were like, you know what? Like, I was having just issues at that time. Just, I was not in a good mental space. Like, I've had um, been dealing with anxiety and panic disorder my whole life. And depression and being on the road did not help any of those. Oh, I can't things. imagine. And then being on the road with all those things, and then those two huge oh, things happening, it. way worse for other people. But it definitely like it. It's crazy, but those two things like they made an actual like very big um, dent in the career of Show Off. Like, where do you go from there? Right, and I, I don't think you're the only band. Oh, definitely I mean, not. A lot of bands were affected by that, and I agree. If you're already prone to those sorts of emotions and feelings yeah those two things probably are just enough to make you say i just need to recenter maybe we can we can check we can figure out where we're at maybe in a year or two or three or whatever yeah hmm. that's kind of what we did but at the same time i feel like then dan had stuff going on he has the the band the fold mm-hmm. so he had that started and that started going on and that stuff for him started happening and then like for me it was still just about just as you said like i'm not trying to be like you know Buddha meditator guy, but like I needed to recenter. I needed I get to get my head back, and mm-hmm. like uh, it took time to do that. But as it does, time passes me by. You know, time passed all of us by, and then like to reconnect on that, it took for forever. So it wasn't until 2017 that we were able to really like get together again and start. So doing interesting. This. So it's nothing acrimonious, which I think is always the assumption when a band kind of rises and falls quickly and not that you fell but you just you called it a day yeah 
but it was I, it makes perfect sense the timing of everything that's just it's crazy it's extraordinary crazy. And it's true I mean <laughs> you kind of said it you almost can't complain even though it, your career was silent you can't even like discuss in, in broad career terms because it was 9-11 mm-hmm. right it's yeah really, and I mean, you, what are you going to take pity on yourself? Like, way worse things happen to people on yeah. those days. It impacted us personally, but it's it's incredible to think that like moments like that, huge moments in American history. But like it it that those mem- those moments seriously affected and and took uh, its toll on the band itself. Oh, yeah. Which is again, I'm not comparing to what had happened to other. And people. I don't think anyone would accuse you of that. It's just it's I a, hope not, because you never know. It's <laughs> right. a perfectly. Natural. People like to latch on things, you know that. People like to latch on True. things and, and, and talk they, about it on the internet. And, exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't care about those people. <laughs> let's talk I about care bully. About you people. Some of you, I do. Bully, bully. Sp- of, <laughs> let's talk about Wooly Bully, the Sam the Sham and the Pharaoh song you you <laughs> covered so ably. Glad you brought that up. Uh, was bully about kicking drugs or? I've I've never been a drug uh, addict in my life. I I uh, drink. You can still write about it. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I I mean I so I not from personal experience on myself but like um that song in itself which is an interesting thing I think for I always go back religiously like I'm not a religious person. My dad was very much really. He was mm-hmm. a youth pastor. He was and so that song itself was almost like my thoughts on like um using religion to get rid of drug addiction when it's talking like on a crucifix it was Mm -hmm. like using um not in a bad way but in a positive way like people do in like aa and whatever um using uh, or or i guess using is the right word but using religion to get themselves off of something they're addicted to Mm -hmm. i was an addict i wasn't an addict of drugs per se but i was an addict at the time so i understood that from a personal level but not on a drug Thing. But that specifically was referencing um, using religion to get off of drugs, but drugs is a metaphor for almost any addiction. Okay. Dan, you look like you want to say something. Please. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> That's, that was <laughs> just his face. It's funny revisit, revisiting these songs. Chris is, is it weird? a little bit about the lyrics. He's like, what was I... Where was I going with that? So yeah, I've never heard you explain bully. Hey, I figured. I mean, now's the time. You're doing the 20th anniversary show. <laughs> yeah, let's, right. Let's, let's go all in. Um, second chance. You know, when we started talking, I said it seems to me like this song was the right sound at the right time. That song in particular, especially in the post Blue Album world we lived in, uh-huh. it seemed like a, a natural fit for what the public wanted. Yeah, it's hard to. It's got like that sock hop vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like um, on that album, and that's probably why you know. I mean, it's so hard to say because for for you know, let's say the the people that choose the songs that go on the radio, um, you know, how do you choose it? And and even for the people who are working your record from the label side, it's how do you choose the right song for the right moment? And I think a lot of that has to do with. I mean, and they, I'm sure people are going to be like, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. A lot of it's luck. I mean, a lot yeah, of it's luck. It of course. just it hits at the right moment. You were at the right place at the right time, and it, and it hit. And I think with Second Chance, um, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if that would have been a song that came out. You know, I don't know though. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think one, we were destined uh, for it. I think that song fell victim to that thing that happens when you're making an album where like there's a song where everyone's saying this is the first single the whole time, 
By the way, Chris and I wrote this very much sitting like you two in the front seat of a car. I remember one yeah. of us had an acoustic, the mm-hmm. other one was driving. Um, Second chance he's But that, I love that. It was kind of like yeah. we were pumped the whole way. John Feldman produced the album yeah. uh, from Goldfinger, and he was putting all the time into Second Chance. Then Chris wrote Falling Star, which I think we already talked about. Yeah, we did. Um, and it was like, this is the single. So then it was like, oh, I remember someone kind of... Uh, flippantly saying at a dinner with Maverick that we'll thumb wrestle over what the second single is and maybe it would have been the second single but we never got to that point. Yeah, never got to that point. <laughs> Which is emblematic of that era yeah. in general for sure. Uh, tell me about this time. Um, Let's see. This time. So this time I feel like that song, that's a song that really got lost. Like we never play it. We are playing it tonight. We never play it. Did you have to kind of relearn it? Yeah. <laughs> like, even on the way down, I'm, like, singing along with it in the, on the well, radio. Here's the, here's the like, great oh, thing. Man. If you fuck up tonight, if you forget a lyric, you know that crowd's going to sing it for you. I hope so. I, I guarantee that that'll Plus, happen. Plus, like, I'm not, not not trying to have the singer ego, but, like, I was telling my wife, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've sa- I've sang the, the lyrics even to Falling Star wrong, <laughs> like, at times. But when people come up to me, like, they never say anything about it. And even if they did, I would be like, I wrote the song. Like, you can't tell me how to sing it. Yeah. Right. Was, I mean, they, they, it was, was funny, though, just to think of, like, they're probably in the crowd going, like, how the fuck does this guy not know his own song? <laughs> you it know? happens. And I'm like, it's been 20 years. Yeah. Like, I, I don't sit around singing it, you know? Uh, unspoken Words was the prom theme that never happened. Unspoken Words I wrote when I was 15 years old. Seriously. That yeah. was uh, a kind of a solo song that we kind of said, Chris, we need to... Mm-hmm. We need to put this on. So that is truly the high school Chris. It is, yeah. Oh, man. I, I truly the high school no Chris was like, I just want a girlfriend and no girls will look at me. <laughs> like, that was Please. the high school Chris. So I was just like thinking about that. And uh, did you use actual strings on that? No. What was the. No, not in the album. Um, they had some, and I don't know what it is now, but like, you know, keyboards can do everything now. Is that but what that was? That was not okay. a keyboard. It was, it was this machine that like produced like it had tapes of every single note and somehow they pro they, they would program these cassette things Mellotron. to make is that what it is something like that i'm probably saying it's like, yeah it was it was a strange thing like i didn't understand and i wanted no part of <laughs> so i was like wow that's crazy that thing's gonna do yeah, it's magic cool. i guess all right beatles made it famous whatever it is Whatever I'm saying, slightly wrong. Beatles so, show off. I mean, I was gonna say apples. If you like, <laughs> apples here, if you like the Beatles, you're gonna love show off. <laughs> yeah, unspoken words. Fact. Uh, tell me, this is this, is this another Chris holding out hope for a crush? I'm gonna thing? tell you, um, just to give away pretty much all of my songwriting secrets. It's all about like not being able to get a girlfriend. <laughs> like, it is all all about that. I mean, I was lovesick throughout you know you you grow up with like for me i grew up with like two parents that that like very much loved each other and showed that love all the time and like i wanted that you know i wanted that i was one of eight kids so i didn't get enough attention (laughs) i just wanted i wanted yeah i wanted i wanted that that kind of um love and i think look when you when you're a kid and you have those relationships the girls that you get into relationships like i don't know about everybody but like i felt so hard for those girls you know like i thought oh she's so cute and and then they paid attention to me probably because i was in a band at the time and they paid attention to me and i was like ah this is amazing like 
<clears throat> and that particular song was about a girl, uh, Melissa, that I was, uh, that was my girlfriend, not the girlfriend at the time I wrote the song, but I wanted to know, like, I wanted to ask her so bad, and I, and I did eventually, and then I got a girlfriend hmm. for three years, I think. Who doesn't love a happy ending? Yeah. A <laughs> uh, coalition, I, what I like about this, there's, there are hints of just snotty punk and reggae. Stylistically, this is a fun one. Yeah. Like, the, the different textures and... It's fun to play. Nuances. It's like one of the ones that like you get energy from, you know. Right, let, let's go to the end, the anti song. Why is this at the end? Was this just kind of like this is just kind of our big dumb fun song? We're gonna put it at the end. <laughs> I don't know if you know that there was yeah maybe was, dumb's the wrong word, but I like, like it, <laughs> it describes right. it. Yeah, it was um, so and at the time because you know it's like the punk rock scene in Chicago, or whatever. Like people would. You're a sellout if you like. You're on a major label. That doesn't you're a exist anymore, by the way. That was a thing. I mean, people who it didn't really come was. up in that era don't understand how like divisive and how the lines were drawn back then. It's not like that anymore. Yeah, and that's awesome. I think it's and it shouldn't have been. You know, I think it's crazy that uh, you know, instead of like you know fostering a scene together, that scene, the scene, and it was not just Chicago, but the scenes would be like so divided on like something like that and i'm always like to me i'm always like well some of my favorite bands were like are considered pop punk or punk rock gods Mm -hmm. like the ramones major label you know sex pistols major label like i i loved those bands misfits major label like those bands were on major labels you know so not minor threat the sellout thing never (laughs) (laughs) the contrarian in the backseat yeah it's so weird to hear like sellout i think it's a good chance to talk about where we came from too because we um philip park we couldn't get arrested like in chicago we were our dream was to be on like a johan's face or something yeah so we sent out you know 30 letters and got our either non-response or our quick you know we're not interested response and so for this thing to happen with you know john feldman getting interested in our first album and bringing us out to la it was like i think that's where this song kind of came from it was that tension of like oh we didn't really get to do what we wanted to do but here we are and that's interesting there was a little bit of jealousy and definitely hatred from (laughs) some of the indie bands back home yeah it it was such a different it was mode of thinking different time i Thinking about those early days, I'm pretty sure the first time I heard you was off a cassette. Yeah, yeah, we sent a cassette to you. That's crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, we sent a cassette to you, yep. and it's, you played it like on a, some one of the things yeah, I think. On local 101. On. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it was. I remember uh, hearing it for the first time. I I can't remember what song it was. Do you remember? I don't remember. But I, I remember hearing it for the first time. I sat in my car and I waited. And we, I was at Fireside Bowl actually. I was waiting outside. I wanted to hear <laughs> it get played. And then you played it, and I was, like, just thrilled. Like, I was just <laughs> elated. I was so happy. And, uh, like, all of us were just, like, jumping for joy. Like, I it was that. such a cool yeah. feeling to know that, like, like, who knows how many people are listening to your mm-hmm. song right now. And, like, what a what a cool... That was such a cool thing that you did. Like, what a huge part of the scene <laughs> you Thanks. have been Absolutely. for, I mean, how long now? What? It's been a bit. <laughs> still still doing decades? that stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, and, that's amazing. That's I, amazing. I was talking about this earlier this week with Brian Shamey of the Daily Herald. Oh, there's, I love Brian. Yeah. yeah there's never enough Good egg. coverage of local music. And when there is, you, you have to 
you have to throw your arms around it. Like this is one of the few reflections of the community that exists in the media. It, it's I was really lucky to be in that position to hear all that stuff tumble in. I still am lucky to be in a position like that. It's awesome. And I would say there is no commercial radio show dedicated to local music outside of mine anymore. There used to be three when I started. Wow. Three different radio stations. Now there are none on commercial radio in Chicago. It's crazy. That is crazy. And, like, not this is not an ass-kissing thing, but, like, people were lucky to have you. Like, no. On, no, no, honestly, though, because, because, like, you gave bands who had no shot of being heard by anybody. I mean, honestly, nobody is going to listen. Who's going to be able to hear you, you know? You gave them a platform. Like, you worked hard for those bands. You put in a lot of energy and a lot of time to get those, like, bands heard by people. Gave bands shot who would never have had a shot getting anything on the radio. That's a huge deal. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to, like, again, it's not ass-kissing no. thing. And I don't want to underplay. I don't want you to... I don't... I want you to understand from a band that came from that era, at least, like, what a huge deal it was for us. Not just, not just for the fact that, um, you know, people got to hear our stuff and that we mm-hmm. got to have people hear it, but the confidence that it helped build within us. We would have not... I honestly don't think we would have gotten signed to a major label if you hadn't played our stuff. Wow. Honestly. I'm, I'm going to hug the shit out of you. Right? Before, the, before this night's <laughs> over, I'm going to hug the shit out of you. I don't do hugs. I'm, you know, totally, I'm totally joking. I, do. I was going to say, I think, we, I think we had a bro hug when we first saw you. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a hugger. Yeah, I'm a hugger. <laughs> All right, so when you got back together a few years ago, was it the cliche of riding a bike? Was it just like, okay, these are my guys, these, this is my band, this is... It felt so good. Yeah, it yeah. felt so good. To be with these two, especially. <coughs> I love George. Can we, and, can we see the, the coat you're wearing, by the way? Yeah, it's yeah. my glamorous... For, for the viewers on Facebook... Curve. It's yeah. like 1,000 fucking degrees outside, and he's 1, wearing... 1,001 inside yeah. this bad boy. It's going to get hot. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just it been a good. tremendous level of um, respect uh, for these yeah, these two guys, and then we got some younger blood to fill in for uh, the one guy, the one original guy who didn't really want to do the reunion thing, and um, so that helped as well. Yeah, it's been awesome. And we got to write some new cool. songs, which... That's always been the base of show off is we're all just fans of what Chris does <laughs> with oh, his yeah. micro I'm not fans of myself. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy writing, but I'll tell you, like, I was in other bands after it um, and did things, you know, with other bands after it mm-hmm. and had some success with those bands, too. But when I got together with these guys again and started writing, it's like such a natural process. Sure. Like it was it felt like. And it's sappy, and but I don't care. Like I'm too old to give a shit. So, <laughs> it it felt like home. It really yeah. did. It felt like so comfortable that like I could. And I told you the anxiety and panic mm-hmm. disorder and stuff. I don't get that when I'm around them. Like I feel like I'm with my brothers, like people I've known, and I have. Well, it's like I've you've been in the foxhole with them. I mean, you, you came up with them when you were kids. It was cool. You've been through all the the grind of putting out a big record, going on big tours, playing whatever you said, 270 shows in, in a truncated amount of time. <laughs> I mean. You went to war with these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is that kind of camaraderie eh, that you cannot reproduce. Yeah, it's fascinating because writing stuff with other people, like it felt um, kind of like it was trying. You know, it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so natural. It wasn't. It didn't. It, what, not that it was bad. You know, it was. I, I I made great friendships and with amazing musicians, but with these guys, it's just like 
I could be thinking something and then Dan will just say it. Like, I'll be like, oh, we should do this part in my head. I'm like, oh, we should do this part like this. And Dan will just be like, hey, we should do this part like this. I'm like, yeah, okay, no shit. Like, of course yeah, he knew. And then Dave would do the same. I would be like, oh, it would be so cool if Dave played this bass, like this little line right here. But he was already playing it. Like, so I don't know if it was like hearing his line and then I'm like, that's how it should be. No, you just share a brain. <laughs> yeah, you, you're yeah, on the same It was like. awesome. It's awesome. So I realized tonight is all about looking back, looking back 20 years, which is so weird. So it weird. is. Holy it, crap, it, right? That, I mean, in my head, I'm 30, which means that we ta- <laughs> last talked about this album when I was 10. And I know <laughs> the math is wrong there. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> so, I mean, tonight's all about looking backward. Looking forward, what does this mean? I mean, Who knows? full speed ahead, or is this kind of a conditional thing? Like, yeah, if the stars line, we'll... we'll I'll tell you, like, I honestly feel like if we, um, I have no desire in any way to do anything where I get big, like none, zero, Mm -hmm. unless it's with these two. Like Mm -hmm. if something happened with these guys and with this band, like I would feel comfortable and confident enough to go on the road and do things if like, if the right you know, situation presented itself or whatever, but you know, I'm in my forties. Like what, what's the, what's the real opportunity that's going to happen? Who knows? I mean, things change, things Mm -hmm. happen. So it could, you never know. But if it happened with these two, I would be, I would feel comfortable enough to, to go for it, you know? But I, but at this point, like, I just don't, I don't see it. Like, I don't see that, that kind of fame happening for us. And I don't think that any of us expect it. Like, it would be amazing if it happened, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if we pushed forward and, like, things blew up and things actually, like, really happened again for the band, that would be super cool. I think anybody yeah. would think that would be so much fun if they were part of it, you know? Well, I, I think but, the the Smoking Popes model is the right one. Yeah. These guys aren't a full-time band anymore, but they do several gigs a year. They still write and record, but it's not their full-time concern. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Mike from um, the Smoking Popes is a good friend of mine. Okay. Um, he actually um, is like the VP of the label that I run. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So are you affiliated with Rock Room too? Yeah. He. So the band, all the bands that I have on my label are from Rock Room. Like that's how we found them. They came through and we're on his show. It's and like then, the far, farm system for the label. Yeah, it is like, like a little double A. Because I, I love what he does with that. I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. It very- yeah. He does a great job. He's, He's a really good guy, and I think, um, like, I, I love the the model that they have. They have more fame than we have, so I don't think we could go out and do the same things they do. But, no, uh, but you could still keep that kind of schedule and still write and still... Yeah, I think that's kind of what our plan is. More you know? or less what we've done, other than, you know, we have a year off in between shows occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the reality for all of us is that we have families. Yeah, and of course. Kids, and, like, now our kids are our concern you know that's that's having kids to me like that's honestly the most amazing thing ever and it's like nothing musical can combat or can do anything that's gonna like make me feel like this should be more important it never will be and it won't be for any of us like all of us just we love our families and our kids and we're just family we're family guys now (laughs) grilling on the weekend my wife grills. Grilling. Yeah. Are you a dad joke guy? Oh yeah. I, here's a, there are some things that I don't understand. The, the cultural tide has turned. Suddenly, these things that are perfectly innocuous and lovely are are villainous and terrible. Cargo shorts. There's a war on cargo shorts. It's a great way to hold your phone, your wallet, 
miscellaneous stuff, but suddenly you can't wear cargo shorts. Swiss Army knife. <laughs> Dad jokes are apparently not cool. When did puns become not cool? Puns are... Everyone loves a good pun, right? Yeah, fuck the yeah. people that don't think those are cool. Thank you, Chris. I mean, come on. You gotta have fun in life, right? Like, life is serious, as this conversation, lots of it has been serious. People can see serious things happen, but... Why not have some fun? Right. <laughs> I heard a I heard a I heard a dad joke today. Goes knock knock. Who's there? I eat mop. I eat mop. I eat mop. Who? You eat your poo? Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> See. <laughs> See. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Solid. It's so terrible. Chris, but it's like, Chris oh, brings the whole car poo. down with that. Yeah. Woo. I eat my poo. I yeah, cannot I take wait a break. to tell that. To I am my so glad. That show off is here. I'm so glad you're playing the self-titled album tonight. Uh, let's not wait another 20 years before we get together. Yeah, yeah. this is fun. Thank this you is, for having I, us. I really appreciate it. I know you've got a show to do. Um, literally, uh, you're doing this before you, you well, take actually, the stage. We, no need to, we need to go eat because... Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you busting my balls because we're not eating for the Just podcast? Just your balls, James. This was kind of a last-minute coming together. Yeah. We, we tried to do this a few weeks ago, but schedules didn't permit, so I, I thought maybe we'll, we'll try. Life is hard when Life you get is 40. Hard. Oh, man. Uh-huh. And then when we're divided among, like, three states. Well, exactly. that was it, because we were going to do this at uh, Brower House, I think. Yeah. a few weeks ago mm-hmm. that was the tentative yeah. plan uh, but I'm glad this worked out please go get some food my apologies it, it is a carne less it is carcine carne uh, episode tonight I just wanted to get you in the car oh we loved it thank Car-tone you food be damned uh, alright uh, so uh, to listen to you obviously you're on all the streaming platforms um, your social media handle is so show off band show, show off, off band, band yeah. okay. show off band I don't think you can tell Alexa to play show off. I tried that today. It did not I go well. I think it well. plays that rapper show off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, which is yeah. not Chris. You guys were born, your band was born pre-Google. Yeah. Like, you're, you're a tough band to Google now. I think yeah. we had it We had it at the time, but we lost it to a rapper, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just imagine if you named your band, like, Balls in My Face. I mean, no one would ever find you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They'd have a fun time trying. <laughs> <laughs> Carquin Carney is presented by the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. That's freaking show off. Tonight, if you're watching this on video, first of all, thank you. It's been like a 30, 40 minute video. Uh, if you're watching this on video, go see him at Beat Kitchen, uh, but also leave now because you're not going to be able to park. Take an Uber, maybe. Uber. All right. Thank you, guys. Good thing. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.